We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 283 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and with me today is Emil Evanesian. Um, happy deadline day, Emil. It's not over yet, so things could completely change on us in about three minutes' time. Are you comfortable with that? I am, uh, but happy deadline day to you, too. Uh, not expecting many many incomings, so hopefully it's a, hopefully it's a quiet last little bit. Well, yeah, just because we're not expecting any incomings doesn't mean the rumor mill has not been going into overdrive, into hyperdrive. <laughs> too fast for any of us to handle but yes we even had something crazy where 75 million euros was expected to go out at one moment for just about 10 minutes this afternoon but we're going to get into all of that because you know i know that we're going to talk about not only the transfer window because that is what everyone is speaking about but i do want to also hit the 2-1 hadafe win and in the big picture regardless of the transfers that come in and the transfers that have gone out where barcelona is going to be at the moment and of course Antoine Griezmann and his future is the big, big story here. So before we get to Antoine Griezmann, I know I keep pushing everything off till later, kicking the can down the road, but I am going <laughs> to almost giving myself time for anything breaking news to, to hit. Because at the moment, what we do know is that Emerson had been brought in and then flipped for a small profit to Tottenham, which I think was unexpected just based on what Tottenham offered, which yeah. is around the range of 30 million. And then Ilash Moriba, which was the transfer saga we expected all summer, he was sold to RB Leipzig between 15 and 20 million euros, depending on add-ons. And then here yeah. in the last minute, the last five minutes, Ray Minaj to Spezia in Syria A for a loan with a buy option of 3 million euros, 300,000 in uh, 300,000 euro loan for this year. So mm-hmm. those were the ones that were kind of expected. And I think for whether or not we begin to judge this transfer window a success or a failure, it's all about moving those goalposts. As you know, once Messi left, it was going to be a failure no matter what Barca did. But right. not being able to get off Coutinho, not being able to get off Umtiti, Pjanic, even Langley, Neto at the moment. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a failure or it's just that we're going to have to keep moving the goalposts, knowing that it was always unlikely. And I think, I mean, we were trying to tricking ourselves into believing that getting off those salaries was going to be possible when we were told three, four months yeah. ago that, no, they were not going to leave. This wasn't going to happen. You just have to accept that reality. Now, there's presumably always going to be some some manner of market for Neto. Uh, you know, yeah. we've we've talked about him before. He's, you know, he's he's a capable, able-bodied sort of you know first team starter, like you know first division for you know first team senior starter. He will with him. I guess it's as much as anything just trying to get a 
trying to get a decent price if you are committed to moving off of him. As far as the other guys, I mean, I think the the dream of getting off of Coutinho is, I mean, just that. Short of him somehow getting minutes and catching lightning in a bottle and looking like Liverpool Coutinho, where you can even try to claw back a quarter of what the initial transfer fee was for him. The only people that I, the only one, the only guys that I had real kind of, I thought that Pjanic would would wind up going. I thought something would end up getting worked out there, whether it was, you know, whether, I know there was, there was Juve talk and there was just kind of talk around, I guess, all around Italy. And what was he also, he was also rumored to go somewhere in La Liga, I believe, but that was just, that one seemed to be a very fleeting rumor, but yeah. Um, so, I mean, I thought that he would be, he would be viable potentially. I know he's on, he's on huge wages. If he, if he made less money, I don't think they'd have any trouble getting off of him. Umtiti, I think maybe if they ever wind up playing him, if he's, it's the, it's like the cavalcade of ifs, you know, if they, if, if he starts playing, if he's healthy, if he plays well at that point, maybe in January, you either sell him at a bargain basement price or just loan him somewhere for the remainder of the season. And you kind of just have to do that, kick that can down, kick that can down the road move and sort of half season at a time, get these wages off the books. Like you're not going to be able to clear them all at once, but at the very least you can kind of, you know, take yourself off the hook for having to pay them, you know, three, four months at a time. But yeah, Pjanic was the, was the big one that I I expected would go. I, I had very little optimism about Coutinho and Umtiti, I thought there was maybe an outside chance. Maybe there was a, a club in France that still sort of, you know, very much wanted him and he would want to go and, and all of that. But yeah, I mean, I think the, well, we talked so much and I think this is what we're going to wind up talking about more so is the stuff that did happen. You know, there was so much talk over the last, you know, during the presidential elections and in the aftermath of the presidential elections and with Messi's departure and everything, the the tagline or almost like the the motto has been, the mantra has been, there are tough decisions coming. Barca are going to have to make some tough decisions. And I feel like that was a thing that everyone kind of said and accepted and you know, you sound like a, a smart and reasonable person when you're like, yes, there are tough decisions coming. Right. But then at no point until these last, you know, two or three days were any of the t- tough decisions. I mean, I guess Messi was the, the ultimate tough decision, but that one was even out of Barca's hands in the sense of they didn't sell him. That was just simply, there is no way to make this happen. Right. But, you know, we never made any of these tough decisions. And it's not like the financial situation has magically gotten better Simply by acknowledging it, we haven't made it better. There are tangible steps that have to be taken to make it better. And I mean, I think it's just going to be incremental progress. You just kind of clear the decks where you can and do the loans. And at least, you know, maybe you're not bringing in new money for for selling a player, but you're at least uh, lowering the sort of the, the expense, you know, the, the wage bill from, from month to month until you can run some of these contracts down. Exactly. Right. So if we are judging the transfer window through just the lens of were was a club able to trick somebody else to take those big wages, then no. But it's very nuanced to answer whether or not this is a successful transfer window or not, because Memphis Dubai showed up on a free transfer looking like the best attacker that Barca could possibly get to replace some of the goals that Lionel Messi is going to provide. So from, yes. from that perspective, again, if Barcelona finishes second in the league, Based on what that they were dealing with, losing Messi, not being able to move any of their quote unquote dead weight, then this is going to wind up being a, a success depending on the results later on down the road. 
I mean, same thing with the free transfer, Sergio Aguero. Yes, he got injured. He's out for 10 weeks. Based on what he was last year at Man City, it looked like a bad move at the time because he, I mean, he barely played at all last year based on injuries. And then he lost the very reason he came to the club where he came because of Messi and now Messi's gone. So his heart might not even be in his recovery. Uh, and then also bring Eric Garcia, who, of course, yeah, he was turned inside out against Athletic Club. And, you know, a lot of the fan base might already be out on him. As I've said many, many times, I'm going to be patient on that. And getting Eric Garcia on a free transfer is a good piece of business. There's a reason why Pep wasn't too happy to lose him. Now, the rest of the bad, the big decisions, as you said, or the tough decisions, right? We There was a lot of young players that we looked at and said, those players should be untouchable. And there was a worry that one of those players would have to go just to even make the finance and make sense. We knew that nobody wanted Pjanic, but everybody would love Pedri for 45 million or 55 million or 60 million, right? Everyone would even in Fatih state, everyone would love to take Fatih off Barca's hands for 75 million or 80 million or right. whatever they have, of course. And so bad, uh, difficult decisions had to be made. That said, the club also sold Junior Firpo, Jean-Claire Tadibo, Conrad de la Fuente, and Carlos Alenia plus the free transfers of Messi, Juan Miranda, and Manchu, the contract termination of Mateus Fernandez, and the loan of Trincao. So mm. looking at that list, yeah, I guess I was sad to see Conrad go. And we've talked about Tadebo before that, you know, it, it, that didn't work out three years ago now when we were kicking again right. that hand down the road. Miranda, it's a shame. Yeah, Manchu may have been something, but also we see that Gabi and Nico Gonzalez could be more than what Manchu was. So yep. you don't worry about things like that. But again, he also leaves on a free. So there was players that were sent out off the books. A little bit of money was made. As we said, Ilash Moriba, you would have hoped that he would have stayed, but once he decided he was going to go to get close to 20 million euros on him is a pretty good deal for a player that played 14 times for the four first team. And I know he's yeah. considered to have a lot, a lot of potential, but the way that Barca and that squad are kind of able to replace him with the likes of Gabi and Nico and, you know, I mean, I don't want to say Pooj, but, you know, potentially there are other players that could fill those roles or, or, or fill those minutes, certainly with uh, with the young, obviously, as well. And Roberto also moving back to midfield. You have to put that as yeah. part of the equation. I know people would take Elash over Roberto, but in this case, yeah, losing, sure. pocketing the 20 mil and just dealing with Roberto as your fourth or fifth midfielder is, again, Roberto was a fourth or fifth midfielder and same thing like Lenglet against Adafe. If that's a performance that your fourth midfielder in Lenglet gives you, I'll take that any day of the week, right? Yeah. Like I'll, I'll take that. If he's your number two, as he was for a while under Valverde, you, that performance is still not good enough for me, but that right. performance is fine for the fourth guy in the depth chart that you're not going to trust in the big games. Yes. Yeah. So going through all of those, give me your quick thoughts here on, I mean, Everson, what a, what an odd thing. I think people have come to terms with the fact that it's okay that, you know, for 30 million, it makes sense, but it does. We, 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 we found the team to be, uh, or, or to be constructed in a certain way. And now yes. that kind of flips out on its head, right? Now, Des being a backup to Alba plus competing with Emerson, now that's not real. Now the idea of Sergio Roberto potentially being a right back at times, it's something now we have to consider again. Yes, that said, Austin McGathan yeah. is a backup right back. And mm -hmm. I mean, I do see it possible to have Alba on one side, Des on the right. McGathan backing him up, but also don't be, expect don't be surprised if you see a stretch of games where Des is on the left and Mingetha is at right back for a stretch of games just because that's what Barca has to do. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, we, Barca are putting a point where if you cannot replace people, then you're just going to have to go with what you have. And that might be just what they have. And yes, maybe Balde yeah. will come up and take the uh, occasional spot in the spring or uh, Copa del Rey or whatever it is, depending on how he goes in Barca B. So maybe we're not putting enough credence in him. But yeah, I mean, give me your big thoughts about Emerson and then uh, Elash too. I, mean, I feel like we've said everything there is to say about Elash in the last few weeks. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? 
Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Sean Emerson, yeah, it's it's just so it's so weird. He, he kind of he arrived for a moment and, you know, Barca are in a situation where we know that they can't actually go out and buy players. So any any players they get are, you know, around freeze and things like that. And so at the very least, we were like, all right, we can't buy players in this transfer window. But this was a, you know, a pre-agreed deal. So we got this guy. He's potentially pretty good. And just as we were kind of starting to understand, you know, just starting to have an experience with him and kind of understand just his tendencies and kind of get to understand him as, as fans and as someone who 
you know, regularly pops into our to our Barca viewing lives. At the drop of you know, kind of at the at the drop of a hat, he's he's gone. And I know in terms of kind of as a bit as a bit of business, it's not bad. They they made a profit. the The obligation to buy him was, in terms of timing, was suboptimal when it happened anyway. From just from a pure finances perspective. So in that sense, I guess it was almost just kind of a like a pass through transaction to to get kind of weird and banky about it. But it was effectively you barely you barely had the thing and you you just I guess scalped the profit off of it. But um, yeah, that one's that one's kind of a shame because what I had seen of him, he obviously is a talented player, but he he has all of the the tools that that you like in a player, and it would have been really fun to. Have him in the squad, particularly given, as you said, sort of there's going to be depth issues that are potentially popping up. People get tired. People even just pick up small knocks. I'm not even, I'm not even talking about kind of catastrophic injuries, but it would be nice to have the depth. And he was, if nothing else, quality depth and potentially more than that. The the situation with Moriba, I mean, I think this has been one. It's not it's not a shock for all the reasons that we've outlined and and you know re-emphasized and re-emphasized over over time i mean wherever the the actual culpability lies in in the whole breakdown of the relationship the fact is that relationship looked like and i mean clearly was broken for a while now mm-hmm. so i don't think there was any 11th hour kind of salvaging of the of the situation no i mean i suppose it, it, Technically, I guess if there was some capacity to to up his wages, if if the club were both inclined and able to do that, I suppose that might have. But but even then, there's probably just been so much kind of vitriol and sort of I don't even know what is bad water under the bridge, you know, dirty water under yeah. the bridge. That well, I don't know. Isn't that the? Any, isn't isn't that was, the irony? I don't know if there was the, any calling it back. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the irony of the Elash deal? That it actually, I mean, I wrote this article for Barcelona blog yesterday that that deal kind of works out for both parties got kind of what they wanted. I mean, I think Elash truly, I think he did initially want to stay, but he wanted to stay for that number and his agents Mm -hmm. wanted him to stay for that number. Barca weren't willing to accept it. And that was it. It was over weeks ago, right? It was over after the first straw. That said, Elash wanted to move to a place where he could potentially, as I've said, I think it's not even this payday from RB Leipzig. It's the next payday that truly is the one that matters. Right. So moving to RB Leipzig, which has got a, I, I wrote this too, that they have, I think, a six, seven, eight player core, all 23 years of age or younger. He's actually competing in a midfield with Tyler Adams, with Howard Dara, who are Harry, Harry Dara, and I butcher that name, but he's competing with actually players with similar styles and um, comparative players. And so I'm interested to see how he stacks up against them, if he can find his way at RB Leipzig, because he has, because Barca saw so much great potential in him, he basically has some glitz and glory and shine on him, I'd say, for another three to four years. And clubs, big clubs, will continue to take a chance until he's 24, 25 and completely burnt out. I mean, he's 18 now, so maybe 22, 23 is oh, where that next payday will be able to come in that in that window to, again, one of the quote-unquote other big club and elite. So it'll be frustrating for kool to see him someday at another huge club, if you will. But for yeah. Barca to get potentially $20 million for an 18-year-old at this stage, as I said, I think that's also what Barca would take, knowing that they had lost him, knowing that in theory he could have gone for free next summer to get 20 million out of this deal is something that you take any day of the week. Am I mistaken or do they, 
Uh, I read somewhere, didn't they also get 10% of any future sell Exactly. Right. And that's another big one, too, because even if he does go to Chelsea, is always, as I've always snipped around him, same with Man City. Yeah. So if he does go to them when he's 21 years old for mm-hmm. 65 million euros, then yeah, Barcelona get 10%. Yeah. And they get 10% all the way down the road. And that's a great thing. So yeah, I want to keep moving this forward because the transfer deadline window is not closed yet. Barca B have done a huge rehaul. As I said, they brought in a ton of players, but I've liked what they've done. A lot of it is with loan to buys for players from the ages of 19 to 22, which is different than what when when Francis and I first started this show, 2017, 2018. It seems like the policy then was survive in the second division. And so they'd bring mm-hmm. in players on loan who were 24, 25 or 23, 24. And it's just yeah. those two, three years of development do matter. And so they are bringing players that, that Sergi can potentially develop. So yeah. I am enjoying some of those. Again, a 19 year old loan is much different where that's not a fully formed player. And if they get used to Barcelona, now you're talking about a player that could easily be brought in. I mean, that's what happened with Pedro. That's what happened to Carlos Puyol. They were 17, I believe. And Sergio Busquets even was, I think, 16 or 17. Yeah. But, you know, give him a year or two and you can reevaluate. Uh, that said, for Barca B, I think their biggest piece of business here. And again, this is just seconds because I know we're getting, to the, we're getting to the juicy part in a second about the rumors. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest piece of business for Barca B was renewing Hondra Oriana. I, I think that's yeah. the difference between them potentially going to the second division and staying in the third. Yeah, I think, yeah, that does make sense. And I mean, I think the, I, I'm really interested in what you were talking about with the, I guess almost like the, the philosophical shift in, I don't even know if it's philosophical shift, but at the very least sort of uh, redefining the parameters where kind of the, the markets where they play and the the types of players that they're looking to bring in. Yeah, you get a Busquets at 16 or, you know, Puyol at 17. And that is a jackpot of a, of a transaction. Yeah. And Sure. And a lot of these guys, by the time they hit 18 or 19, maybe the, the price on them has gone up. If if you see that someone is potentially what Busquets has gone on to be or what Puyol ultimately was and, and so on. Yeah, you don't you don't get them on the cheap. But I do like this notion of getting players at the very least, even in their late teens, because there are players who develop from functional or work in progress to good pros. And even if you're doing nothing else and, you know, the, the hit rate for the Barca first team, even if that's relatively low from guys that you bring in, like outside of, but if you can get guys in who are 18 and 19, develop them into good kind of functionally useful first division players, that can essentially just be a, almost like a cash machine for the club where if you can get players for, whatever you're paying, you know, whether it's, you know, a couple hundred thousand or, you know, a million or whatever you, whatever you pay. But if you are able to sell them on consistently for even two X, three X, what you put in that as a, almost as a going concern makes a lot of sense to me. I'm still kind of curious what Barca B is entirely intended to be like what the, what the vision is for, for Barca B. Like, is it, almost like a farm system for future first team Barca players. Is it, you know, kind of where you, where you take your flyers on maybe really raw and, and less developed young players. And you see if you have any diamonds in the rough, or like you said, I mean, there was the, there was the period where they were bringing in older kind of established veterans who weren't really going to kick on and be much of anything else. They were, they already were kind of what they were and you were just sort of treading water. And yeah, I mean, 
I, I think yeah. I, I think I, I think there is an answer to that, and I think it's all of the above, with the exception mm-hmm. of the letting go of Garcia Pimienta, which I think was just due on Laporta wanted to get out the old and in with the new, yeah. uh, and that's why that deal was done. It was a promise he probably made to Sergio Brasilon as part of the ca- mm-hmm. uh, the campaign, uh, and yeah. Garcia Pimienta wound up being a catalyst for that. That said, at the moment for Barca B, you have players like a Fati, like a Gabi, who are you know we watch them with Juvenil A, and you say they can make a jump to the first team. They're going to be first teamers. That's a fact. Uh, that's, yep. I mean, unless barring injury or something terrible happening, they will be the first team. Then you have a player like Dinko Gonzalez, who was always an interior, was always even an attacking midfielder in the academy. And then last year, they trot him out as a pivot because even if Coleman or people who are smarter than us at the club kind of mm-hmm. making this calculation that maybe that would be something that would fit him a bit better. And so he's yep. able to trot that out and work on those things and basically change his position at Barca B level. Same thing even with Conrad De La Fuente. He was with Barca B for two seasons. And now we mm-hmm. see the player he is at Marseille who was able to be sold for a few million from Barcelona. And yeah. he did that development at the, the B team. Now, was he ever ready for the first team? Yes, I think he was on the fringes. But I also mm-hmm. think that the club just wanted to take that money that Marseille was af- offering. And I'm not sure if he has any sell-on fees. But uh, yeah, for Conrad, he had to make those developments at Barca B. Because I, I had said even three years ago when he was in... His last year of Juvenil on his first year of Barca B, he just wasn't ready. He just didn't look like I was worried about him, you know, as an American, as a long term prospect. But the last about, well, yes, he sat on the first team bench and that hurts. But the other two years, rather being the year before last season, two seasons ago, and then the second half of last season, he really did look like he turned the corner and taken that jump. And it it Mm. didn't happen until he was 19. So I, as you said, every player is different. Every individual is different. So when a player like Elash, I mean, because even Elash kind of took, he was always a, a high prospect player, but he had to figure some things out at Barca B before he was even ready for the first team. And so you do have examples of that. And then you do obviously have your, you know, incredible 16 year old prodigies like a Fati, like a Gabi who can make the right. jump right up. And then you have a player like Balde who looked like he might've been able to make the jump up. He got injured and now he's kind of has to refine his footing. He has to refine form with Barca B and then he's potentially ready for the first team. Yeah. Okay. So I want to move on from Barca B because somehow we've gotten this far. We're over 20 minutes in and we haven't mentioned the news of the day, which I was almost stalling. You hear it. It's it's almost stalling at present time, full transparency. The name we're talking about is Antoine Griezmann to Atletico Madrid. Apparently they're in talks about a loan to potentially buy, uh, whether it's obligatory or not, is still up to, uh, up for discussion. And that is being debated on uh, this site called twitter.com. There is no agreement <laughs> yet between the clubs, but Antoine Griezmann, again, no surprises here. He is open to the idea of returning to Atletico Madrid. And Jao Felix, he is not going to be coming the other way. Atletico Madrid has said no on that. So this that would really saw, just yeah. be something to get Griezmann off the, the, the wages. And, you know, where, where, this, where this is progressing is a bunch of different directions. And Emil, I would actually like to hear from you first before I throw uh, too many monkey wrenches into this. So we talked about Griezmann. And I mean, I think even when we were kind of previewing the team prior to the season, and I think possibly even after one or both of the of the first uh, league, league matches, my issue with Griezmann isn't what he's capable of and his his potential and his tools or anything like that though. He's a, he's a proven commodity. He's a fantastically skilled player. He's capable of excelling at the highest level. I don't know what he is in this Barca team. I didn't know what he was in the iteration of Barca that had Lionel Messi. I'm no more clear on 
knowing where exactly he fits in the either in the hierarchy or even in the game plan because in a sense um and we have to be we have to be careful about this now i am i've done a complete about face on memphis and i am now just i'm driving the memphis bandwagon if anyone else wants to jump aboard but memphis is functionally doing some of the things that that messi would do so in the sense where anyone who thought that okay if messi's not there griezmann's going to have new possibilities and new new areas that he can occupy and new responsibilities that he can take on that didn't really happen because messi's gone and this other guy came in who seems while not messi seems mentally dialed in to what that role is and seems determined and capable of executing it. So Griezmann finds himself in the same spot where he's not a pure number nine and he doesn't seem to kind of want to be that. He's not a midfielder or again, he he isn't trying to make that move. And even if he was, that would only further muddy a, a midfield situation in Barcelona. So I guess my question is, I don't know what he is. And if there is a palatable offer I would, I would take it. Um, even at the time when he was brought in. Now, I think the the biggest problem was now maybe bringing him in on the money that they brought him in on seemed more excessive or just seemed extra problematic because of the Dembélé deal and the Coutinho deal that had preceded it. So it just felt like it was another nine figure dart. But at least this guy was fully healthy and a La Liga player, and we knew more or less. I guess we thought we knew, you know, what, what he was, but even at the time when he was brought in, it didn't make a ton of sense. He just seemed like another player. I mean, he, he was in a weird way. He was kind of Coutinho 2.0 in the sense that the, the previous regime was so enamored of Coutinho. And it was as though, I mean, I wrote this at the time for, for one of the, one of the sites and I wrote this in an article, Liverpool in the immediate aftermath of Neymar's sale, Liverpool saved Barca from themselves by not accepting 140 million for Coutinho. Yeah. Now, lo and behold, if at first you don't succeed, then they went and spent 160 on him and and brought him in. But so it, and I think Griezmann was sort of a, another iteration of that, where whether it was Bartomeu or someone someone in the regime was dead set on we must get Antoine Griezmann. Right. Just the, the simple act of taking him from Atletico rather than what does he actually do for our team? And so I I don't know that he look, it was the it was the talk all the time when Messi was when Messi was here. Can they play together? How do they fit together and everything like that? Messi's gone. I don't think we're any closer to knowing where Antoine Griezmann fits. And I don't know. The only things that I saw today were that Jao Felix will not be involved in any move should one come to pass right what is the what are the figures that they're talking about have you have you seen anything on on that front oh for anton griezmann i don't think that's been released just yet okay as far okay. as what those would be but yeah when looking at this window overall I, I think it's all connected to messi and the future all at the same time where mm-hmm. when you're talking about uh, busquets and alba today also taking slashes on wages apparently mm-hmm. pianage and mtt if they stay they'll take a, a small cut on wages Still waiting on the surgery of Berto. Apparently, they want a, a second a second look at those talks. And then PK, mm-hmm. of course, took the huge, huge pay cut. You lose yeah. Messi. And I, I'm caught between two minds. I'm caught between the mind that Barcelona, the, the wonder on why waiting on Messi wasn't possible. And it, it does look bad on the club that 
it's going to seem like, especially if Antoine Griezmann is able to be moved, that Messi would have been possible. And it just, it looks bad on the club. It's going to continue to look bad on the club, even if Griezmann leaves. That's why I do wonder, and I do have that question mark, is was Messi ever going to be possible, even if they moved all this off? Because what is the accounting that we don't understand, right? We think we have an understanding of the numbers. We think we understand all that. And that's why that uh, 75 million euros that Danny Olmo was thrown out for all of 10 minutes, that's why immediately that's easy to throw out because Barcelona, for a move like Antoine Griezmann, are they making it for a tactical or for an actual reason that matters on the field? I think the answer is no. I think they, it's a necessary move to be made regardless. And mm-hmm. I think if they keep Messi around and they try to do that and every club in Spain knows that Barcelona cannot register Messi and register that team and make all that happen, including Memphis. Memphis, remember, if Messi's there, Memphis is not registered at all. Yeah. And of course, people take Messi over Memphis, let him sit in the stands, fine. Uh, that said, I don't think there was any indication in the Barcelona that they would be able to move Griezmann, which I think was always going to be the domino. I mean, right. that's, that's even said that if he he's not gone yet, we don't know if Antoine Griezmann is going to be gone. So if Antoine Griezmann in the 11th hour on tra- a deadline day, that falls through. Now you can't register Messi. You can't register Memphis to buy. And right. Antoine Griezmann is the only player you have. And I think it, it was a risk reward thing that Barcelona had to go for. And of course, the risk is getting rid of Messi. And that's, there's no bigger risk than that. And so I think the club will always come out of this, even if Griezmann has moved on, looking poorly because of the timing. Now, I, I don't mean to take drum up some, some conspiracy theories or try to be the ever the optimist, but as, a, as an ever-present optimist, I look at this Griezmann move and I'd say, even though it's a loan to buy, I think this is towards the future. And there's some irony in this too, because Griezmann, in the preseason and in these first few matches, the only time where he has really had any success offensively is when Memphis Dubai, just like Olivier Giroud, just like Diego Costa, I'm trying to remember the old Real Sociedad striker that he worked with, but just like that, when they put their back towards the goal and they kind of sit back on the defense, yeah. right? And they move up into a center back and then Antoine Griezmann plays off that action. Yes. That's where we've actually seen him succeed. And the irony is the only way Barcelona potentially brings in a number nine next summer is by getting rid of Antoine Griezmann, right. right? The only way to get rid of, to get that player that they need to play with Griezmann is to get rid of Griezmann. And there is some iron to that. And that said, that's why I think, and here's my big conspiracy theory. I, this is where, I, I, this is a safe space. This is my podcast. So I do think, I do think that Barcelona are in on Holland next summer and not really January, but I do think they're in on him next summer. And those, re- the reasons are that one, we talked about Laporta and Mina, uh, Mina Riliola having uh, uh, some kind of connection, some kind of relationship, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I also think that the, and I know if you go anywhere, you go to the Daily Mail and all these places that Holland going to, is definitely going to the Premier League. He's definitely going to Real Madrid. He's definitely going to PSG. That is a yeah. lot of smoke. And that's smoke that we hear all the time about Holland. The fact that we haven't heard more about Holland, and I know clubs don't have any money, but the fact that City was more in on Kane than he were on Holland does yeah. make me raise eyebrows. The fact that United eventually said to Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, okay, well, fine. it's fine. We'll take you back. That does yeah. raise eyebrows. Uh, the fact that PSG are saying, hey, we need to hold on to, to, to Mbappe. Even though if Real Madrid, who apparently just sent 220 million euros, that PSG said, obviously, we don't care about the money <laughs> because we're, I yeah. mean, we're financial fair play doesn't apply to us. I mean, they got Messi, Donnarumma, Akimi, Nuno, Mendez, uh, Wijnaldum. And, <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's just, it's a ridiculous transfer window that I, that I well, do not possibly the... be myself to compliment because it's not real. Yeah. It's fake. It's, I mean, money is not an object. And if money is not an object, you're the one club in the world that it doesn't matter 
then obviously those things are going to happen. Okay. All that said, PSG obviously could still be in on him next summer if they lose Mbappe for free to Real Madrid. But the fact that they weren't willing to let Mbappe leave for that money and then immediately turn around to buy Holland also makes me raise an eyebrow. As if some of these other elite clubs were alerted to the fact that Holland maybe is already leaning in one direction and he's just waiting for that club to find all the funds that they need to make that move. So, I mean, yeah, I I mean, I don't mean to create some kind of conspiracy there, but there is, to me, there's a little bit of belief that Holland next summer might be possible based on this summer and even getting right. And now if you change that question and say, Hey, if you had to lose Messi this summer in this way, because Barca couldn't take the risk that they were going to not be able to register him and Memphis, but that also meant that you were probably going to get Holland next summer. Would you take that deal? And I'm not giving, I also don't want to give, we've been hurt too many times, Emil. We write as Barca fans. That's why the Danny almost 75 million was like, I mean, that doesn't make sense, but also maybe it does make sense. Does Hector Bellerin, did that make sense for a second? Did, right? Does all these nonsense moves make sense? Because Kevin Prince Boateng was at our club two years ago. Because, yeah, so many of them actually happen. For for all the ridiculous ones that you hear about that you can kind of dismiss out of hand, there's been enough of these odd moves. There, everything from the sort of the, the, financial three-card money that we played with uh, Arthur and Pjanic. And, you know, like you said, <laughs> Kevin Prince Boateng was on the team. And, you know, look, I have I have in this space, I am generally kind of pro and positive on Martin Braithwaite. But Martin Braithwaite was picked up at the 11th hour for, for reasons that continue to confound me. It's, you know, not that he's an incapable player, but the, the reasons that Barca got Braithwaite when they got him, even at the time, just seemed really, like, astounding and, and weird. Well, so, and, and, if, and if Griezmann goes, if Griezmann goes, Emil, that means Martin Braithwaite is certainly a starting player for FC Barcelona all year. Yeah, no, he's vital now if, right. if Griezmann goes. Martin Braithwaite can't be vital, right? We watched him. He, <laughs> he had the two goals. That was fine. But you cannot have Martin Braithwaite be, I mean... Again, I've been working on this number 10. I, I keep I keep plugging it for weeks now, yeah. but I've been working on this number 10 big YouTube piece where I went through all the players in history that wore the number 10. And there was a lot of overlap too with numbers, with number mm-hmm. nines. Listen, I went through the history of the number nines and number 10s at Barcelona. There are players that were not deserving of those jerseys. And Martin Brothwaite also wears 12. So it's, this isn't even his fault. <laughs> He's going to be expected to contribute if Griezmann leaves this fall as a number nine or a number 10 at FC Barcelona. And that is way too much on him. He just doesn't fit in that same class. And it's yeah, no disrespect to him. It's not what you want. Right, right. <laughs> and it's no disrespect to him. It's just that's the state that Barcelona find themselves in. Exactly. Right. No, he's he's a perfectly viable option and a good starter. And he's he's possibly the best player on mid to lower mid table clubs in whether it be in Spain, France, England, wherever he goes. But no, he, he can't be, Barca's wagon cannot be hitched so firmly to Martin Brathwaite's star. Like it just, that, that doesn't work. Things have gone wrong if you find yourself in that situation. Alas, we actually might find ourselves in that situation. And, but I don't know. I mean, so based on that, do you think that, so would you keep, or would you kind of shelf plans to, to move Griezmann along based solely on that prospect? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it does affect the way you're building a squad this year. I mean, if if they go in on the last second of this deadline in another two hours for Luke de Young of Sevilla, I mean, it's yeah. not a move anybody wants, but it's a move that they might feel like they have to make out of necessity. And as long as that does not financially 
hamper you six months from now or a year from now, as I said, that's right. what this matters, yes. right? Like the reason mm-hmm. Coutinho and Umtiti and Pianta are a problem is because their contracts are for more than just this year. And it, anything yeah, that ends one year from now. And many years. Yeah, that was right. The, right. That was so any move that ends in six months or a year from now when you get to reevaluate, yeah. whatever. I mean, that's, I guess, where I stand. Like, will Luke de Young, is he moving needle? No, I don't think he adds almost anything to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at that right wing now. And, you know, we're talking about Brothway and the health of Fati, the health of Dembele. But there is certainly a universe where Yusuf Demir now gets, I mean, 25, 35 starts for FC Barcelona this year because... Oh, I think that's where we're going. Right, right. I mean, if and if not him, right, it's whatever player they can find, like a Luke de Jong at the 11th hour that pushes yeah. Brothway to the right where he's not comfortable and has Memphis on the left or something to that effect. Or when Aguero comes back again, Fati and Dembele, who's to see. But right now at the moment, the right wing is... Players who are naturally fitting there is basically just Usmane Dembele. And then after him, it's Demir in that order. And then Alice Callado is definitely number three on that list. So, I mean, if I'm Alice Callado and I see Antoine Griezmann hitting the door, I'm saying, hey, I know I'm definitely never going to play, but am I never going to play at a principal? Or now that Griezmann gone, I can definitely play a little bit, right? Like I might play a little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's... And especially with, with Dembele's health kind of perpetually a problem and... So if that does become Demir's role, if just out of out of necessity and then hopefully, hopefully beginning with necessity and out of strong performance on Demir's part, if that becomes his role, then at that point, if you're if you're Alex Kyle, if you're uh, Coyado, you're thinking, okay, now it's between me and Dembele for this. Dembele is always gonna have the inside track because he's the big money signing. He makes all the money and ideally. If you can put in a few good performances, that raises the chance ever so infinitesimally that that you can sell him for something. That you can you can clear that off the books, but it's not a it's not a guarantee. I mean, this guy's seldom been healthy, you know. So yeah, yeah for yeah, in that sense, it would be yeah, I wouldn't be able to believe my luck if I, if I was I was Bayada, you know. And uh, and Demir gets promoted, and now I'm very much in the mix to be number two in that in that position hey everybody editor dan here you don't hear from me very often but i also don't record usually on deadline day alice callado as reported by albert roge is reportedly set to join sheffield united on loan until june 2022 so our comments here unless pooch is also out on loan by the time you hear this well these comments for callado don't necessarily apply anymore but the comments about pooch still apply we, I think we end this transfer talk again. That we're, I'm still trying to update. I'm still checking Twitter mm-hmm. as we go along, but looks like nothing else at the moment. What we do know is not going to happen. Is it seems like Kayato and Ricky Puj will not be getting loans out of the club. And at this point, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough place. Where I think we've had this conversation a million times, but now on deadline day, we look at it through the the the, the lens of the fact that I think the players opted to not leave. And at at this juncture. I mean, people are saying that Kuman will be out in January, and so the players can expect that. I think Kuman is not out in January. I think if he is gone, if if Kuman is gone next summer, that's because Barca didn't probably make Champions League. That right. they finished fifth or sixth. That's mm-hmm. I think the only the only road that leads Kuman out. I mean, he has been there for two years, so yeah. If Xavi calls up Laporta and we don't know about that relationship and says, "Hey, you know, I, I think I'm ready. I, I like the project that you guys have next summer, right?" Like, let's say Holland does show mm-hmm. up. And then obviously yeah. Xavi's on the phone like, okay, hey, hey, yeah, uh, me, pick me, pick me now, right? And then they'll reevaluate because Kuman wasn't Laporta's guy, sure. But if yeah. I'm Ricky Puj and I'm Collado, 
It doesn't mean you have to forego. I mean, a loan doesn't get rid of your future at the club, but I think both players, I understand it though, because both players looking at Alenia, looking at Sergi Semper, looking at all the players that they've known, their contemporaries, their friends, the guys they've grown up with, yeah, even the guys never yeah. worked, never worked for any of those midfield players. So while on paper you say yes. that, yeah, sure. You know, if I'm Ricky Pouge, I'm looking around, I'm saying, hey, look at Mallorca. Look at what they did this summer bringing in, well, not bringing in, but they had the old La Masia player, Jordi Mbula, who is yeah. friends with Ricky Pouge. He knows him well. They also have on loan Fernino from Villarreal, who I want to like, but he did maim Wesley uh, Fofana for Leicester <laughs> City in the preseason. So, you know, he's a bit in the doghouse, I think, of world football. Takafusa yeah. Kubo, another player who he knows, on loan from Real Madrid at Mallorca. And then Pablo Mafeo, yeah. another player who's around those circles, from Stuttgart on loan is another Catalan who, again, they work together with the Catalan national team. And then Kang and Lee from Valencia on a free taking a flyer. And now they also brought in uh, American Matthew Hoppe from Schalke. So Mallorca are looking to get really young, really exciting. And whether they go down or not, they want to do it with young talent, swinging on loan, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm Ricky Pouch, I'm saying like, hey, there are players I know that it seems like I would fit what they're doing this this summer. I could go, I mean, or this year, I could go on yeah. loan and come back, but there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee those things work. But it seems to me like a, a club like Mallorca is all bought in on going young, that even yes. in January, if they sack their manager, they can't redo what they're doing. They don't have a billion veterans to throw mm-hmm. on the field. No, like they've, they've cast their lot, you know? And I think like there's... And well, you just kind of said it, there, there's no guarantee. So there's, there's obviously an element of a gamble, both from club and players perspective, but I'm even saying from Ricky Pooch's perspective, maybe you go to a, to a club like Mayorka who are kind of instituting this massive youth movement and just bringing in, you know, young players from high pedigree situations. Now we don't know if the, the players will work out. We don't know if they, how they fit together. We don't know what the end product is going to look like, but they're bringing in what is the, what is effectively good prospects from from large clubs and seeing if i suppose if they can effectively put together sort of a miniature version of of a big club almost and for for ricky Bujo, i would almost think that okay i'm definitely not playing right now yeah. like it, this just this isn't working right now maybe maybe you do go to my rock loan and that doesn't work either and that stinks and you have to come back and and everything's awful but the situation in Mallorca, especially if I'm a really young player who's not getting minutes and I'm frustrated and I want to play, the chance to play with a bunch of other young guys who are around my age that I know, some of whom I'm friends with, and if it works, would be amazing. And I think from Barca's perspective too, it would be ideal to, to do that. I don't know what is... Now, I don't know all the, the inner workings because I don't know what's being gained by Ricky Pooch just gathering dust. Like, he's just, he's in the closet. Like, he's, like, why are, no need to cobweb him. Yeah. You don't want to play him. You don't want to play him. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, you don't fit your tactics. You don't like him, whatever. And, and, and those calling for, for those calling for Kuman's head, that's a confusion that, I mean, Ronald Kuman is not going to get canned because he's not playing Ricky Pooch. But you have to no. understand that I mean, when it comes to results, when it comes to mm. players, I mean, managers trusting players, and not trusting players. I mean, he could freeze out. I mean, even let's say he disliked Mingetho or he disliked Des, and he frees out one yeah. player. That's not going to be a death sentence unless that player was messy, unless that player was Memphis, unless that 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 player yeah, was like Skets, right? Skets or PK, but. Even, yeah. you know, even in those even situations, then, sometimes the manager then, yeah. wins. Right, right. <laughs> but a Ricky Pooch is not going to 
to have a manager fired. So if you if you're of the mind that you believe that Kuman should lose his job because Ricky Bush isn't playing, well, I mean that's your prerogative. But again, it's a sad, it's it's the reality for you, the sad reality that you have to accept that that's not yeah. going to happen. And again, we're saying hypothetically because. But this has been over for weeks. Like, why is we have not heard him linked to other clubs? Because Ricky Pooch's camp clearly has said, you know, we, we, we don't want to go. We want to stay. The we heels are dug in. I mean, it's it's going to work at Barca or it's not going to work. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, they're they're playing chicken. And, and, and him and Kayana are already 22. That's the other thing I want to worry. I want to remind you that, I mean, they're the ones now at this point in their careers, they're putting their careers in their own hands. And they're saying, hey, you know, it's it's time to break in. And if they don't break in, now they're 23. And for Puj, I mean, I, I just trying to do the math off the top of my head. Now he's played less. Now he'll be 23 next year and he'll have played less than 2,500 first team minutes at the age right. of 23. Do you know how many players succeed in the first division after that kind of number? Not many. It doesn't I work out. It's not very many. It doesn't yeah. work out. Same thing with Kayato. So, I mean, now all of a sudden, Ricky's 26 and he's playing for Real Zaragoza. No disrespect to them, but now he's trying to fight and help a big team in Spain in the second no, division. It's, tried it's to like work you said, it's, it's your, your Sergi Samber and you're at, you know, Las Palmas and, you know, you're kind of, you're bouncing around the Liga and you, you know, you have your, you're having a career. And, and I do think there is a certain element and it's case by case, obviously. And it comes down to the, to the player's personality and things like that. But surely he's he's heard and he knows everything all the kind of the the glowing things and next this and next that and you know was he next iniesta and you know all of this stuff i guess he stopped considering other possibilities or other other routes even to the barca first team right because the only thing is i don't know where the sort of guaranteed success lies the only thing that I do know for sure is whatever it is you're doing right now is not working. So there's, there has to be some, I don't know, reconsidering or, or rebalancing. You don't even have to recalibrate your expectations. You, you believe you're that good. You believe you're good enough to be a superstar. I mean, you have to, to, you have to succeed at Barcelona, but the reality that we know is that he's, he's a squad player. It ain't happening right now. He could be good enough to be a squad player at FC Barcelona, but the manager isn't selecting him and he has to understand that reality. And on the reverse side of that is we've seen from Gabby, as I said, like Gabby, we haven't seen that, that, that much from, but I've been watching him for two, three years. And that player has potential, just like Pedri, they have potential to be 10 year starters in the starting lineup. And I just don't think Puj, you know, I just don't think his tactical sense is, is that level. But just like Carlos Alenia, I could argue with you, same thing with Oscar Mangueza. That Oscar Mangueza being the, the right back and what I like about Mangueza and why I think he fits at Barcelona is because he's good enough to be and he understands where he fits as the 16th to 25th man on the squad. Right. And those players are necessary. You need cheap young talent from your academy to fill yeah. out the rest of your squad. And right now, Puj is number what, 23, 24 on that list, which is just not high enough for where a lot of fans see him and where he sees himself. That said, that said, the, the kind of argument is that, I mean, I mean, I felt like I was going crazy. I watched the Dafe. I understand that he ended things, that being Kuman, very defensive, that he, he suffered, mm-hmm. fought for that 2-1. I totally understand the frustration. But looking at the squad that he has, looking at the options he has available, he did bring on Gabi and he did bring on Nico Gonzalez, right? He had yeah. two very, very young players basically playing as, a, you know, two attacking midfielders behind a number nine in Memphis to buy. And they were just sure. holding on for that final result. And to me, yes. three points is three points in the league. No matter how you win the league title, you win it. So if they can get it over yeah. the line, that being Barcelona, 
that's, I mean, a big compliment to, to Ronald Koeman. And I understand that they want them to play the Barca way, but looking at the squad he has, you can only do so much with the tools you have, especially on a day when, you know, Pedri was out, Fati's not back yet, and you still have the Calvary to arrive. I don't know. I felt like the negativity, I understand when people are negative towards Kuman. I get that. But this is one of those instances where I understand the frustration, but I, I just think it's, we're, we're overdoing a 2-1 right. victory over Hadafe right before the international break when you have all these missing players. Right. I think the, yes, I mean, I'm not necessarily out on Kuman. I'm not, I'm not, nece- I'm also not necessarily the, the biggest Kuman fan, but I'm not, I'm not out on him. Yeah. He has his strengths. He has his weaknesses. He's the manager right now. Fine. You know, we, we move forward with that. And the Hitafe, yeah, the, the second half of that game in particular was just really frustrating and kind of a, a slog to watch. And, you know, I was, I was at a bar here and just, you know, it was a pretty good turnout to watch the game. And, you know, everyone was pretty, pretty energized. Even when Hitafe equalized in the first half, it was just, it was a lively kind of exciting game. And then when Memphis scored, everyone was just, in, in really high spirits. And then after a while, everyone was just half watching the game and because you, you kind of got a sense of how it was going. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of vibrancy to the game. At the same time, I agree, get those points because you do need the results. And if you don't rack up these points and you don't get wins, but playing, they're going to come for you anyway. So, you know, one way or another. And look, I mean, we said, we saw what winning quote the wrong way did for, Ernesto Valverde, but you do need to rack up these wins. You have to, you have to accumulate those points. I suppose the only thing is if the experience of watching this team and sort of the, the ethos of not the ethos of the club, but the ethos of this iteration of the, of the team becomes soul crushing two one victories over Hitafe. I see where that's a problem. Like the one, the one result in and of itself is not a problem because you did what you had to do. And Barca aren't in a position where they can, they can kind of punt results for a little bit and fully sort of commit to commit to living the dream and living the ideal. They need to, they need to rack up these, they need to rack up points. They need to rack up victories. Ideally, I, I would like a little bit less of a, we have a one goal lead. Let's, let's batten down the hatches. I feel like the, if not necessarily even tactical shifts, but I feel like the, the, the personnel shifts of Kuman are, very predictable in that yeah. if if we're losing, we throw on more attack. You know, I mean, it's if we're losing, we throw on more attackers. If we're winning, we put on more defenders. And it's kind of like it's it feels a little bit pink by numbers. And I understand he doesn't have the the full complement of of players and different types of players that he might want. But I do think there there should be a little bit more. I don't know. I guess like ambition and imagination in in the game yeah. planning. But I mean, that being said, the, the, the result itself was fine. I mean, they, they needed these three points, go into the international break with, with seven points and you're fine now for, yeah. for the moment. Yeah. And, you know, come back and because we have Sevilla, you know, it's Sevilla on the, the 11th. Which that game was postponed. So the next match is Bayern Munich in the Champions League. So you got to figure oh. out. I mean, and that's oh, why I, I think he experimented one, a little man. bit because you have to know exactly who you are before Bayern. And I think Bayern, the reasons why I'm not really optimistic, I think talent-wise, Barca could match up with, with Bayern this year. That said, yeah, I mean, I, I think Kuman is a manager that can win La Liga, but I don't know if he's a manager that can win and navigate the Champions League, where it really does come down to, you have to your manager has to win the nightly tactical battle, which is oddly yeah. enough, one of the very reasons why Pep Guardiola has not won the Champions League with Man City, 
where even though we can have the better team and the better players, it seems like he just gets his tactics wrong one time along the road every year. And that winds up being the end of him. Well, there's always the, yeah, there's always the one leg where Pep almost over tactics himself. Yep. Like he needs it. He feels it, it feels to me like every one of these runs, he wants to put out one of his a signature Pep performance where he where he conjured something new. And, yeah. you know, we had three left backs, but they all played striker and that's how we won or something like that. And, you know, so Pep overthinks it. Whereas I feel like with, with Kuman, my biggest complaint, I suppose, would be, I feel like he doesn't intellectualize it enough almost. Right. It's right. And I, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that he isn't, you're right. It's not that he's having outsmarted an opponent or it's not that he doesn't have the tactical understanding and knowledge. Because again, he's been a manager for 20 years. Yeah. It's, it's just that it seems like when he makes a decision and this is what his managerial career has been, when he makes a decision, that decision is made. And he just doesn't yeah. seem to have that fluidity on the sideline throughout a match where he might get something right from the beginning. And that means he got it right. And if he gets it wrong, he gets it wrong. But yeah, we are going to have time, plenty of time to break down Bayern Munich. Again, we close this with Griezmann, still a Barca player. Luke de Jong, still a Sevilla player. Those are the ones that are rolling, uh, that are being spit around at the moment. But a few more hours to go for deadline day. So, hey, all this stuff could be just thrown out by the time it's in your ears. Who knows? That said, I want to thank Emil for joining me. I want to thank you for listening to another edition of the show. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona pod. Get all reactions to these kind of things. And then our close Facebook group, the Barcelona podcast, you can ask some questions there too. And Patreon is how we keep making these shows. I do appreciate all the new patrons that we've got in, I'd say these trying times. So I really appreciate all the help I've got on Patreon. And I hope people enjoy the Patreon only show I had on Friday. That is the, one of the big yearly gifts I give to the patrons. that if you want to be a guest, and I do thank the three guests that we had on that day. Some good conversations there as well. Uh, and you can also listen to these shows with the out, without the ads over on Patreon. So a little incentive to support the show. And we're also on YouTube with the stuff that I keep plugging, uh, some of the evergreen content uh, and match reviews as well. And that is at the Barcelona Podcast on YouTube. But most importantly, thanks for listening here to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca. Forza Barca.